Today on Stick to Football, Mock Draft Wednesday instead of Mock Draft Monday, and we have a lot of news to talk about. So I love about January. Every day we sit down to do this podcast, we have news to talk about. Connor Rogers, Matt Miller, a lot to get to today, buddy. Uh, but first, I want to remind people because we're two weeks away from the Senior Bowl, January twentieth and January twenty second. We will be at Draft Picks Tap Room on Dolphin Street, seven thirty. Until they kick us out, we're going to record our podcast. We're going to answer your questions. We're going to hang out. So it's going to be, you're going to walk in. We're going to record the pod. We're going to hand out koozies. We're going to drink beer. We're going to answer your draft questions, both on and off air, Connor. It is going to be a ridiculously good time. It always is. Draft Picks is one of our favorite places that we throw, you know, one of our tailgates, one of our events. It's a great time. Obviously, we're also going to be there Super Bowl week, not at Draft Picks. We're going to be in Miami, Florida, Super Bowl week, and we have an event on February 1st, that Saturday at 1 p.m. Uh, you know, we'll give you more details on the location of the venue and how you get there and all of that. But keep in mind, if you're going to be in the Miami area during Super Bowl week, you'll be able to catch us as well. If you can't catch us at Mobile, or maybe Maybe you just want to keep hanging out with us for a couple weeks straight. We're okay with that. But, Matt, some giant news before we sat down to do the show today, and we are very excited that this dropped. We talked about it a ton on Monday. We said, listen, if you're the Carolina Panthers and you like Matt Rule, you do not let Matt Rule go to Jersey. You do not let him speak to the New York Giants, and that is exactly what they did. Matt Rule is officially going to be the head coach of the Panthers here Matt, what are your initial thoughts? Because I think this is very surprising to many fans on both sides. It is surprising. We talked about this a lot on the Monday afternoon show that Matt Rule obviously had a connection to the New York Giants. And Pete Thamel did a great job breaking this news. And it's always fun to be the guy that gets to come in. Like the news comes out and then you start, you know who to, who to talk to, right? And so talking to people on Tuesday morning, the one thing that I heard, was that this is classic Giants because they've done this before. They let their plans leak, and then they get passed over. This happened in a couple uh, NFL drafts. The Chicago Bears traded up to get Leonard Floyd. Uh, Jack Conklin was another player that they had targeted and got passed over for. So there have been those situations. And another side to that, one key that I was told uh, by someone very much in the know, was that the Panthers went to Waco, Texas to meet Matt Rule. He went to Cabo after the the bowl game, tried to get away with his family. He got back in Waco, and I I think this is a little bit of hyperbole, but I was told the Panthers were there before his bags were unpacked. (laughs) Talking to him, trying to present this, David Tepper basically fell in love, owner of the Panthers, and said, what is it going to take to get this done? We don't want you to get on that plane to go to, to Manhattan to meet the Giants. And so the Giants... Uh, being a little stubborn maybe or a little old school thinking that Matt Rule needed to come to them so that he could meet the Mara and Tish family so that he could meet Dave Gettleman and Kevin Abrams and everything that goes into this huge football operation that the Giants slow feet caused them to miss out on a guy who was a coach there and so I think right now around the NFL a lot of people are laughing at the New York Giants because they hesitated and lost their guy. And this is what we've seen from them in the past, where like an Eli Manning pass, they telegraph their move and somebody jumps in and intercepts them. In this case, it's Matt Rule that got picked off from them. I mean, this is 
gigantic number one for the Carolina Panthers because this is a team, and I can't state this enough, that this job was a highly desirable one around the NFL before all these interviews took place. A lot of people look at David Tepper and they say, listen, this is a smart guy, a forward-thinking guy with a lot of money that wants to hire football people to come in and run this operation the right way. Number two, they are going to build a mega facility down there. It's supposed to be you know, sports altering, altering the landscape of football, what this thing is going to look like. That has hiring power as well. Listen, the New York Giants, we talk about it a lot. They are definitely a historic franchise. This feels like a time where they've been lapped. They finally, or they just got caught up to and passed and they didn't realize it. And listen, it's great that they're in the New York market, but at the end of the day, you need to be more progressive. Why is Dave Gettleman still with this football team? If you're Matt Rule sitting there, you're going, well, I have to work with him a couple of years. He's going to have influence over draft picks. We might disagree. He's still the GM. It's almost like a stain that won't go away where you said it on the Monday show, Matt. Carolina is a clean slate. It's a place yep. to go where Matt Rule has personnel influence. He's getting a mega deal because the owner believes in him enough where he drafts to him and said, I'm getting this done. You're not going up to East Rutherford and meeting with anyone from the Giants. I'm not letting you go there. And at the end of the day, Rule can build this the way he wants. We talked about how Herney is probably a couple more years left as GM. There's going to be a GM in the waiting, and Rule is going to have influence over all of these football aspects of the Panthers organization. Yeah, exactly. And I think with this, if you're Matt Rule, you grew up on Roosevelt Island, which you and I know, that is, that's pretty damn close to Manhattan. You go ahead and call it New York. I mean, you're a New it. York guy. I mean, yeah, you're in the East River. You're a New York guy. You've worked for this ownership group, and you don't even take a meeting with them. I think that does. There's egg on the face of the New York Giants this morning, and I'm not trying to pile on, but when you go from, hey, we think we're going to get Matt Rule, to now you're requesting to interview Jason Garrett, That's where you're at as a franchise. And you know what? When they hired Pat Shermer, guess what I said on the same podcast? That's all. That's it. You can only hire Pat Shermer. So I think the Giants need to, you know, self-scout a little bit right now and say, why are we getting passed over? Why does Josh McDaniels not want to come here? Why does, you know, Matt Rule not want to come here? Why can't we reel in the big fish anymore? And, you know, I I don't know if it's Dave Gettleman. I don't know if it's the split ownership group, but there's something there that needs to get figured out. And it's already being reported. The Giants are requesting permission to speak with Jason Garrett. He's under contract for another week, even though the, the Cowboys are moving on. They have a new head coach. Jason Garrett is under contract until January 14th. So the Giants do have to request permission. They're obviously going to get it. But Jason Garrett does not move the needle for me. And I I think he could be good for Daniel Jones, but we just saw nine years of what this guy can do with a good roster, and it ain't great. I just don't know how I'm supposed to get excited about that. It's extremely underwhelming. It's I saw you tweet it. Great guy, not an exciting head coaching option right now. It's as simple as that. The Giants should strive for more. That's one thing I want to make clear on this podcast because we've been harsh on them. We haven't been the biggest fans of Dave Gettleman. This is not just pile on the Giants. This is... The Giants should be better than this. The state of New York football right now, between the Jets and the Giants, I mean, when they played each other this year, it was like the embarrassment bowl. And you really, you just saw what the Jets did. A failed division rival head coach, they hire him. It looks like a mess this year. Now you're going to, if you're the Giants, you're looking at that model and saying, hey, let's go get the failed division rival head coach because it works out so well time and time again. I just think this is absolutely ridiculous. And 
It's interesting. It's really interesting when you look at the Panthers and you look at the Giants, two totally different histories, but now two teams going in totally different directions. It it just goes to show, as the league changes, we just had the 100th year, as we go to the NFL 101, it's going to change because this old school mentality of an iron fist general manager is not going to fly with young coaches anymore. Matt Rule's 44 years old. You think he wants to go somewhere and be Dave Gettleman's whipping boy? He doesn't. Or does he want to go somewhere and be beholden to Dave Gettleman's draft history? No, thanks. You know, maybe he doesn't believe in investing all your capital in defensive tackles and wants someone who, you know, hey, I want a quarterback. I want wide receivers. You know, let's let's rush the quarterback. I think that I think Dave Gettleman is a bigger deterrent for the New York Giants than they realize. And time will tell who's right on this. The Giants are us. But I, I, I'm getting the feeling a lot of people don't want to work with Dave Gettleman. And I think you can look at the last two coaching cycles for the New York Giants. And there's some proof in that pudding. All right, let's move on, buddy. Henry Ruggs piggybacked a little bit. Poor guy. Tua declares and the whole football world stops. Henry Ruggs, who has a chance to break the 40-yard dash record of the NFL scouting combine, declares. And everybody's like, oh, Ruggs is in. But on the (laughs) other side for Alabama, we've talked about how good they self-scout and self-recruit. Devonta Smith is going back. So Alabama loses one speedy receiver keeps the other. Devonta Smith, everybody remembers, obviously, the five-touchdown game he had, uh, I believe it was against Tennessee uh, in the 2019 season. But Henry Ruggs, Connor, in the draft, as we, I think we expected, there had been some waffling as of late. Henry Ruggs, everyone I've talked to said that this kid has legendary speed. He allegedly ran a 4-2-5 at the Alabama Junior Pro Day and did that without any combine training, which we know is incredibly important because it will shave time off your 40 if you take it seriously. If you work on firing out of the blocks, though, if you work on your breathing, if you work out everything that goes into being a sprinter, you can shave serious time off your 40. And I think Henry Ruggs is going to spend the next seven weeks only worried about the 40. I don't think he has to worry. If he runs a 4-2-1, nobody's going to really remember what he did in the short shuttle or how many bench reps he threw up. So if I'm Henry Ruggs, I'm meeting with every Olympic sprinter I can to try to shave some time off my 40. Yeah, I think this is a guy that can clearly be a 4-2-40 kind of player. I think it's going to be fun to watch him. And I want to make something clear as well. For the kind of athlete Ruggs is, which he should be in that, you know, the, the top percentile of wide receivers. That's the kind of testing numbers we're going to get from him. I think he's done some really nice things as a wide receiver this year. He grew from a player that was a sprinter and a jet sweep and a screens kind of guy to, you know, just the routes look really sharp. His releases are really sharp. I think he catches the ball well. I think he's rounding out his game for a young player where you look at him and go, this is a ceiling player that we like the floor right now, but if he can keep developing on the trajectory he's on, he's going to be an extremely good player at the next level and probably a top 15 pick. We're going to be doing our mock draft in segments two and three. You'll see where we have Henry Ruggs, but my comp for him has been all season long Tyreek Hill. And I think you can look at, and I mean like Tyreek as a rookie, not where he is now, where he's blossomed into this you know, fantastic number one receiver who's really good at contested catches and not just a downfield threat. But I want to use Ruggs in much the same way, where yes, he can stretch the field vertically, but he's also a thick-bodied player that I believe can win underneath on slants, on crossing routes. He's someone who you just want to get him the ball. You know, just find yeah. a way to get this guy the ball because what he can do 
in space is absolutely electric. He's not the route runner that Jerry Judy is. He doesn't have the sticky hands like Devonta Smith, but he is a powerful runner. I mean, when you when people see this guy not on the football field, not padded up, his thighs are enormous. I mean, he's his lower body's built like a running back. So what he can do in space is really, really special. And you're going to hear it when we do the mock draft. Receivers are going to fly off the board. So I've had people like, is there any way he could fall to the Packers? Could he fall to the Bills? Could he fall to the Chiefs? He shouldn't. As much as I want to see that dude speed on the Kansas City offense, like if someone runs that fast, John Ross was a top 10 pick. Had nothing going for him but speed. And had Corey like Coleman, 20 surgeries. You know, exactly. Henry Ruggs uh, is, is going to be picked pretty early. Now let's keep it at Alabama. Tua Tagovailoa on Monday morning announces his intention to enter the NFL draft. We talked about that a lot on the Monday afternoon podcast. So if you missed that and want to hear it, go back uh, to Monday's podcast and you can hear us spend like 20 minutes on Tua. After the fact, like I said with the Matt Rule thing, news breaks, it's cool, it's a press conference. The fun part for me and my job is that then I get to go in over the top and talk to people involved with the decision because they're more they're more apt to talk after the fact talking to people at Alabama talking to a couple agents uh, about Tua and where they expect him to be and I, I don't mention scouts there because they have not had a chance to get their hands on him so if you talk to an area scout right now about Tua you're probably not getting a lot of information so I went to the agents who were recruiting him and are plugged into Alabama and people at Alabama who've been around Tua for the last three years. The one thing that I heard, and this is a direct quote, was that the medicals looked strong and positive. So they feel very good about where he was at when that doctor's visit happened last Friday. Now, Tua said it himself, a lot won't be known, and this is what we've been telling you guys, a lot won't be known until around the Combine. And so that timeline is very important for him. And then, obviously, the early April medical rechecks that will happen back in Indianapolis, that's big as well. But I did get this prediction uh, from one. Uh, I didn't even reach out to this guy. He, he reached out to me. One executive in the AFC told me, Tua's still going to be a top five pick. That is his prediction as of now. I mean, I'm not surprised at all. When you look at it, number one, this is a player that had number one overall player talent. Let's make that very clear. And if the health concerns drop because of medical rechecks, it, the demand for a quarterback in the top five is going to keep Tua there. And I think you have to talk about the Miami Dolphins potentially planning a move up. Let's not forget they have two second-round picks there, Matt. We saw the Jets spend three second-round picks to go from six to three. The Dolphins to go from five to three might have to spend two second-round picks in this draft. Or there'll be other teams in the running. So I think when you look at this situation with Tua, uh, the demand is going to be there. I think teams are going to fully commit to that he's going to need time to rehab. They're going to have to build an offensive line around him, as you should for every young quarterback, but especially with a player coming out of college with multiple injuries. I just think the talent at this premium of a position, the position that you need, is going to create a lot of buzz around Tua and cement him back into that top five. Yeah, I was trying to watch more Jedrick Wills this morning, Tuesday morning, right before we recorded, and I kept getting caught watching Tua. I was watching the LSU game, and it, I hate when that happens because like, I need to watch the right tackle. And then your eyes start drifting the to the throws. quarterback, and it's just yep. like, God, he's he's so special with his touch and what he does. You mentioned it, there's going to be a lot of buzz, whether it's the a team like the Miami Dolphins trying to trade up, the L.A. Chargers, the Carolina Panthers now with Matt Rule there. There's definitely going to be a lot of interest. The New York Giants have a head coach. It's not Matt Rule, because you're in the first segment. He's going to Carolina. Matt Rule's domino falls. The Giants move quickly, Connor, to hire Joe Judge, the special teams and wide receiver coach for the New England Patriots. And I will be completely honest, 
I thought he was going to get the Mississippi State coaching job. So he gets a head coaching job. It's just the New York Giants and not Mississippi State. When this news came down, you and I were on a break and uh, not a not, not like a breakup. We were on a break from the show and and I said well, I was shocked because it felt like they would go all in on someone like Josh McDaniels, yeah. but they don't. They go to Joe Judge and I'll let you go first <laughs> and then I'll, I'll fill you in on because I I've actually uh, been texting quite a few people throughout the rest of the show and and we'll let you know what I've heard back. Well, I think for me. The biggest question is because I'm not going to sit here and act like I'm a Joe Judge expert. All right, I, I don't have no one is. I don't have so you're ears good. in New England to know his day to day responsibilities over the last couple of years. I think he's only been the wide receivers coach for about eight to nine months right now, so he's really a special teams guy, which is not an insult. There's a lot of great special teams coaches around the NFL, and obviously John John Harbaugh, Harbaugh comes to <laughs> mind, but also Matt. This goes back to when we evaluate quarterbacks every year. Not every day three quarterback is Tom Brady. So will Joe Judge be an outlier that he's great at this? I don't know. My question for me, for everyone, is who is his offensive coordinator for Daniel Jones? Because he's not running the offense with Daniel Jones. Who's going to be his defensive coordinator? You know, what is... What does a Joe Judge team coach team look like? And this is such a 50-50 hire because there are so many variables and so many question marks that we can't answer right now. I do think it's ridiculous to see the spin going on that you know the Matt Rule wasn't it wasn't their top clear-cut guy. Matt Rule was the Giants clear-cut guy. The Giants are stunned that Matt Rule went to Carolina. He got a 60 million dollar deal that can be worth up to 70 million dollars incentives. I believe Ian Rappaport said that Matt Rule or his party did call the Giants and say, "Hey, you know, you can match this deal if you want." They declined not to. I just want to make it clear here. The Giants missed on Matt Rule and pivoting to Joe Judge I'm not saying it's a bad move. I'm curious to see how it plays out, but I'll say this. It is a gigantic risk, and I think it's going to be a very interesting sell to the New York Giants fans. And it also makes me wonder, how in control is Dave Gettleman still of this franchise? Because uh, who made this hire is my biggest question. Yeah, so I'll fill in some of the gaps for you that just based on what I've heard. So one thing that I... I'm trying to like read all my texts and talk at the same time. I apologize. One thing I've heard is that Jason Garrett is his pick to be offensive coordinator. Now, we are recording this at about 10.30 Central Time on Tuesday morning. So by the time you hear this Wednesday, that information might change. But what I'm reading right now in terms of text is that Jason Garrett would be his guy. I'm talking to a player who was under Joe Judge previously, and here's what he told me. This is the guy when Bill Belichick couldn't be there, he ran the room. He's incredibly intelligent. He won two titles at Bama and then went to New England. He's been there since 2012. So this player that I'm talking to, and hopefully we can get him to come on the podcast uh, maybe next week, he feels like Joe Judge was going to be a head coach. It was just a matter of time. So like we've said before, maybe it's better to be a year early than a year late. He's only 38 years old. He just turned 38 years old. And again, this is a guy that has won five championships uh, in the last little bit of time with Bama and with New England. So the player I'm talking to is very, very uh, excited about this. Feels like Joe Judge is the right hire for the Giants, Connor. But of course, there's a little bit of a bias there because you this this guy played for Judge. So I, I think it's it's fascinating that they went to 
They went away from the good old boys club, which is not what we expected with Dave Gettleman because it feels like at times he is the anchor chair of the good old boys club. So to step away from here and say, you know, we want to go with the 38-year-old guy. We want to tap into that Belichick, Nick Saban coaching tree and shake things up a little bit. I think if you're a Giants fan, you got to feel pretty damn good about that, that it's not, oh my God, we're hiring Jason Garrett as head coach or we hired Mike McCarthy. And I don't know if this will work because, frankly, there's not enough sample size about Joe Judge to make an informed opinion. But I know a lot of people around the NFL that I trust are really excited for the Giants because they are getting an infusion of youth and and a very, very smart coach here. Yeah, I think that should that is something to be excited about. It would have been very disappointing if the Giants hired you know, Jason Garrett as the – I wouldn't even want Josh McDaniels that much, to be honest with you. I, I – was very underwhelmed his first go-around as a head coach. I think he might be one of those guys that might always be a good coordinator. But once again, there are just so many variables with Joe Judge right now that it's hard. I want to see his staff, number one. And then I want to see the direction this team takes in the NFL draft, especially if they can potentially move out of that number four pick or or how are they going to approach the draft. Let's be real, Matt. They still have a lot of rebuilding left to do on this roster. So... Uh, this is the ultimate wild card of the offseason. This is one of the bigger wild card hires we've seen in a very long time. And there's plenty of optimism to be had about this hire, and there's plenty of questions to be raised about this yeah. hire. I will say this my button on the whole topic is if Bill Belichick trusts you to be a special teams and receivers coach, you got to be pretty damn good. And so, and I know we haven't seen a lot of Belichick guys have success away from the nest. Maybe maybe this is the one, and I think the Giants getting a 38 year old head coach, um, and it's you can understand they want to. Bill, Bill Belichick was kind of always the one that got away as uh, an assistant. They tap back into that coaching tree a little bit, so we'll see. Uh, time will tell, and maybe by Wednesday we'll know who the offensive coordinator is. But uh, definitely a mix up here. You know, we thought that we would see them go Jason Garrett, Josh McDaniels, the Giants shake things up. So segment one is a little bit outdated now, but that's okay. That's what happens in the NFL news breaks and we jump back in to cover it. So uh, let's take a break. We come back mock draft Wednesday. The draft order is now set for 24 teams. We know one through 24 who it's going to be. The Cincinnati Bengals are on the clock first. And if this is your first time listening to stick to football, welcome you're going to have fun. But what we tell you every week is Joe Burrow is going to be the number one pick. So I'm not going to change that now. Joe Burrow, number one, Cincinnati Bengals. My analysis, you got to draft the best quarterback in college football. You got to draft the best quarterback in this draft class. Joey Burrow, 55 touchdowns, 75% completion percentage. He's from Ohio. The Bengals need a restart under Zach Taylor. I would be excited about this as a Bengals fan. You got Tyler Boyd, Joe Mixon, Jonah Williams is going to be healthy next year. And now you add in the Heisman Trophy winner, Joe Burrow. I think it's a really good fit in Zach Taylor's offense. And this is a similar argument for me here at number two with the Washington Redskins. You take Chase Young. I know there's going to be a lot of questions. Do they try to auction this pick? Do they, you know, convince somebody to move up for Tua and get more draft selections? Let's not forget they don't have a number two, I believe, because of the Montez Sweat trade up from last year. So This is a team that could use more draft capital, but Chase Young is too good of a player. You get a premier piece for your front seven. I think Ron Rivera would be really excited about getting this guy with the Redskins, and I think this is just a simple one. I don't think there'll be a trade package good enough to entice them to move off of taking Chase Young. 
And, and Connor, to your point, I get asked a lot, and I think some people are just Lions fans and want Chase Young to fall, of but course. they're always like, wouldn't you at least take the call? And I'm reminded, I know we just kind of made fun of Dave Gettleman <laughs> in the first segment. I'm reminded of Dave Gettleman refusing to pick up the phone to talk about trades because he wanted Saquon Barkley so bad. Chase Young is that level of prospect, but in a more important position. So if I'm Ron Rivera and somebody calls and says, hey, we want to come up and get Chase Young, unless... Man, there's no way. There's absolutely no way that I would take that. Unless it's like, here's four first-round picks. Like, I'm going to need so much in order to trade out of a player who has everything you want at arguably the second most yeah. position in football. So for for everyone who asks all the time, like, wouldn't you even consider it? The only way I'm considering it is a completely unrealistic trade package from a team that I feel really good is going to be terrible for the next couple of years. So uh, when I look at it, no, it's Chase Young. Not to go all draft day on y'all, but it's Chase Young no matter what. At three, the Detroit Lions, we've said it for a while now. This is where the draft starts, and I do feel like the Lions have options. I'm going to give them Derek Brown, defensive tackle from Auburn. I just feel like he's a really, really special player. You know, Melo and I have had a lot of scouting conversations about him, whether it's, does he remind you of Indomitian Sue? Does he remind you of Chris Jones? Is it, you know, a little DeForest Buckner to his game? He is incredibly impactful. And I feel like in a, in a class without Chase Young, he would be the number one defender in it. He is everything you want from a defensive tackle. And I know that we've been burned a little bit by defensive tackles the last couple of drafts. You know, even like Quentin Williams, who's incredibly young, didn't make a big splash as a rookie. But this is about a five-year plan, not a one-year plan. I would be tempted by Jeff Akuda here. I am not tempted by Tua at this spot. I am maybe one of the few Matt Stafford believers out there. But I'm with you. I still believe Stafford is good enough if he actually had more than one receiver at a time that was good at football. And had a better supporting staff that Stafford could be good enough to win you in NFC North. So I'm going to take Derek Brown here. Yeah, I think Stafford is far from being the problem in Detroit. So I, I like the pick. Derek Brown's a great player. And that means that number four, the New York Giants, it's not all bad for you New York Giants fans. You get a great player in Jeff Akuda. They need a corner. Uh, they obviously moved on from Janoris Jenkins. You know, the Eli Apple pick from a couple of years ago didn't work out. This is a team that's going to need some help in the secondary. And Jeff Akuda is a premier corner you can build around in your secondary. He is a number one shutdown man-to-man corner. So this is a no-brainer for the New York Giants at number four. Yeah, it really is. And last year they drafted DeAndre Baker uh, with pick 32 overall, I think it was. And so now you have a, a young nucleus corner to really go with, really build around. I love Jeff Okuda. Uh, like I said, I considered him at three. Number five, this is where our guy Tua does come off the board. The Miami Dolphins, a team that we talked about it in August. We thought they were tanking for Tua. Well, they didn't tank. They beat the last two Super Bowl winners, got the number five pick. They still get their guy. This obviously deserves the world's biggest asterisk because if two is not healthy, you got to go a different direction here. And that might be Justin Herbert. It might be a free agent. But I think Tua in this spot is a good one for him. Fitzpatrick can play until Tua's ready. And then you unleash Tua and your other two first-round picks on the NFL next year. Yeah, listen, at number five, they can't pass up taking Tua. I think they're going to have to plan some options to make sure they go up and get him to secure that uh, franchise quarterback for them. But I like the fit for them. You know, listen, Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to play probably one more year there. That's okay. Tua's got to get healthy. So that's a good landing spot. Number six, the Los Angeles Chargers. 
listen, I don't know what's going to happen with Phillip Rivers, but I do know this is a team that needs to prioritize the offensive line here. I like Jedrick Wills in this spot. You can go get yourself a franchise tackle. I think you can play on the left side. We've seen him play on the right side. He can even play guard if you need, but this guy's going to be a tackle here. So for the Chargers, I know they've you know invested a lot of resources to make this unit better. They've had some bad injury luck at times. It happens to the Chargers year after year. Hopefully that doesn't happen with whoever they take in this spot. Wills should be the guy. I love this pick. And as you know, the last couple weeks, I've been doing a lot of tape study on guys when they declare. Jedrick Wills is my number one offensive tackle in this class. We love him for Carolina. Or excuse me, for, for Los Angeles. Goodness. Number seven is Carolina. I'm on the clock. And I originally had Andrew Thomas in this spot. And I said, you know what? No. You got a new owner. You got a new head coach. You need a new quarterback. I know I banged the drum for, why don't you keep Kyle Allen? But that was about salary. It was about building on a cheap contract. Not on the idea that Kyle Allen was some great quarterback that you could win Super Bowls with. Will Greer, that didn't really look great either. I think it's time to just go ahead and hit that reset button with Matt Rule coming in. Now, I'm not the biggest Justin Herbert guy, but he does have some undeniable traits. And we've seen a couple guys where if you get in the right situation and you can turn those traits into you know positive habits, those quarterbacks should be pretty successful. You know, Minus the fourth quarter meltdown, Josh Allen is one of those guys. I don't think he and Justin Herbert are all that uh, dissimilar. So Justin Herbert at seven. I know it's not the most exciting pick, but you got a guy at six foot six, two hundred forty pounds. Did not turn the ball over in college. Has a very strong right arm, and I think in his senior year showed a lot more toughness than we had given him credit for previously. So there are things to like about Herbert, and if Rule can put in a system that will take advantage of his strengths, his mobility, I think they might be able to have something here with what they have and and DJ Moore and Christian McCaffrey as targets for him. I was going to say, we know Herbert could throw the ball down the field. You have DJ Moore coming off a year with 87 catches and almost 1,200 receiving yards. We know what Christian McCaffrey could do. He's the best running back in football. Maybe Robbie Anderson, as we said on Monday, follows rule to Carolina. you got a vertical big play offense there, and that would be a lot of fun to watch. Number nine, Jacksonville. The Jacksonville Jaguars here. Another team. Listen, oh, number eight, Cardinals. Getting ahead of myself there, Matt. I don't want to take your pick. <laughs> For the Cardinals here, we talk about this every single time we do mock draft we don't know how much they're going to truly invest in the offensive line under cliff kingsbury that remains to be seen but we know they want this to be a big play explosive offense with kyler murray and that's why i don't think jerry judy gets by this spot there's no luck that judy goes in the top 10 picks for as good as he is i think the wide receiver class as being as deep as it as it is is going to push some guys down the board I think Judy's too talented to get out of this spot. I think he would be such a slam dunk in that offense that this almost becomes a no-brainer. As much as they have needs at other spots, wide receiver is still a big one in Arizona. And I think to your point, Connor, we all love Jerry Judy. I think he's inside the top five players for all of us. Uh, Really enjoy him. But I think this year is unique in that he made a couple quarterbacks go early, and then we actually have some competent offensive tackles. There's Chase Young, there's Derek Brown, there's Jeff Okuda. So you're getting players at positions that are more of a premium. So they're most likely going to go ahead of Jerry Judy. Now, the Lions or Giants could fall in love with Judy, and he could go there, obviously. But I think we're seeing a possibility that the receivers, Judy, Lamb, all of them, slip a little bit from where they're actually ranked. Number nine, Jacksonville Jaguars. I'm going to Andrew Thomas here. Cam Robinson, God love him, is just not good. And so you got to get better at left tackle. I still have a little bit of questions about Andrew Thomas. I feel like he misses way too often with his hands. I just want to see him be a little bit more accurate. But he does have the power when he misses to usually reset and recover. He has very, very good strength. 
He's smart. He's poised. I think Andrew Thomas could be an answer at left tackle. And if he's not, I think he could be an all-pro guard. So it's one of those spots where, okay, Dennis Daly and, and Cam Robinson and the crew, that's not getting it done. Let's bring in this guy. But worst-case scenario, he's going to be a starter for you for a long time. I'm with you there. I still really like Andrew Thomas and do think the floor for him is a very, very talented guard. It's like almost a more premium version of what Cody Ford was last year. That's how Andrew Thomas is, where you're like, I know he could be a, you know, kind of a a mauler at guard, but he's probably going to start out at tackle. And I think Ford had his fair share of highs and lows this year, but a lot of bright spots as well. Number 10, the Cleveland Browns, they get the last one on this run of offensive linemen. If Tristan Wirfs declares, that's the big question right now. But with this pick, it's got to be Tristan Wirfs. The Browns need to protect Baker Mayfield. We saw him leaving clean pockets at times this year as well. So he's just a little shook right now is what it is. They need to build that wall around him. They need to you know, prioritize the trenches again. We know they have a lot of skill talent. They think they found their guy at quarterback, but once again, they need to boost up this offensive line. Worfs plays right tackle this year. He can play guard. Once again, he has more of the build of a guard. I'm actually very curious to see his overall measurements, but the way he flows seamlessly to the second level of the field and sets up long run plays is really, really impressive. And I think for Nick Chubb, for Baker Mayfield, this would be a great add. Yeah, I like that as well. You got to you got to protect those guys. Number 11 the New York Jets and I apologize to resident New York Jets fan Connor Rogers. All the tackles are gone. And it's I my own I doing say, as well. <laughs> what happens here is you end up in a situation and I think it's important to run through these scenarios because Joe Douglas as general manager is very unlikely to draft a non-premium position. And that by that I would add a wide receiver in that group. I would add, you know, they're not gonna draft a safety, obviously. They're not gonna draft a linebacker, most likely. But there are none of those positions available here. There's not an edge rusher that I value at eleven. And I don't include AJ Epinesa in that group because of the defense that the Jets run under Greg Williams. Epinesa is just not a very good fit. And so I think you look at the board and say, what do we do here? And I'm going to give the Jets CeeDee Lamb. I love the way he plays. Yes, I have questions about his speed and if he'll be able to separate against NFL coverage. But you cannot dispute how tough and physical he is. His catch radius is enormous for his listed size of six foot three and 190 pounds. CD, you can have concerns about the scheme he's coming out of and how quickly he'll acclimate while also loving his game. And that's where I'm at. So if you can't protect Sam Darnold at number 11 overall, better give him someone he can throw the ball to because I think Robbie Anderson is about to be a Carolina Panther. Listen, here's another point that we've run this simulation almost every week for weeks now, and this happens a lot. If you're the Jets, and trust me, teams do this. Teams do mock draft simulators with way smarter systems than anything that exists on podcasts, on the internet, anything like that. They have their own systems. The Jets have to be sitting there and saying, listen, there's a good chance one of the top tackles is not available to us. And that kind of changes your free agency and trades plan, doesn't it, Matt? You might have to be a little more aggressive on that front, knowing at 11, we know Joe Douglas would love to take an offensive lineman. It just might not be available in that spot. 12, the Las Vegas Raiders. That's right. We're moving on. We're calling them the Vegas Raiders. 
This is a no-brainer. We do it every week. They get Isaiah Simmons. This is a seamless fit. This guy can play inside linebacker, outside linebacker. He could rush the passer. He can play safety. He can cover in the slot. He could, he's basically a, a superhero, a transformer yeah. on defense. That's what he's like. He just molds into whatever position you need him to go right. into. And for the Vegas Raiders, this is, once again, just a grand slam of a pick. They have two first-round picks in this draft, and I love the spot they're in at 12. If Isaiah Simmons went fourth or third, I wouldn't be surprised. Neither would For I. him to be here at 12 is like, how do you get that lucky? Number 13, the Indianapolis Colts. We've had a lot of conversations about a receiver, maybe help at corner. Where do they go if Anthony Costanza retires? There are no tackles worth drafting here. It's a three-tackle draft the way I see it right now. I think the Colts and Chris Ballard would take one look at A.J. Epinesa and realize that Justin Houston and Jabal Sheard are older guys. And to Ballard's, what credit we've given him as a scout, as an evaluator, as a GM, has not been able to find pass rushers. Ben Bonagu looks like a situational guy. Tyquan Lewis has been bumped inside more to a tackle role. They need a pass rusher. The Rutgers guys defense. always hurt. Exactly. Can, they need uh, a yeah, difference right. maker here. So I, I think you look at, at the Colts and say, can we get a difference maker? A.J. Epinesa was a difference maker uh, for Iowa the last two years. He can play 4-3 defensive end. He can bump in to play tackle when needed. Uh, he can be special. I think the only reason he falls to 13 is he's a little bit what we used to call a tweener. He's a little bit of a tackle. He's a little bit of an end. And I think that might make him more of a 4-3 fit for teams. Yeah, I think so, too. And I, I like that landing spot a lot. Listen, the Colts have they're taken swings on mid-round pass rushers, and we know the fail rate on those guys is it's through the roof. Let's be real. If, if you don't take a guy in round one, the chance of hitting on a pass rusher outside of those picks is, is drastically low. So this is probably a year they prioritize that spot. 14, the Buccaneers still got Todd Bowles there. You still need more help in the secondary. Grant Delpit is the pick. Now, you know, me and Matt were kind of chopping it up before the show. We're very curious to see what happens with Delpit. Does he own this process? Does he speak to why the film his final year at LSU was not as promising as the first two years where he looked like a superstar at safety? Does he test very well? Delpit is one of the more volatile players in this draft. Started the year as a top five guy. Now he's sitting in that top 15 range. Does he fall all the way back to the end of round one? But once again, I think this is a really Really, really good scheme fit, and I still believe in Delpit's talent. Yeah, I do too. I just, he's one of those guys. I, I was actually talking to an NFL safety about Grant Delpit on Sunday, and it was like, I just, I feel like he's going to turn it back on, and everybody's going to look stupid who dropped yeah. him down. But we've seen it's it a before. Little, it's, yep, Derwin James. It's a little yep. bit of a risk for sure. Fifteen, the Denver Broncos. Uh, I like what they have here. Drew Locke, Cortland Sutton are really good players. Uh, they got something with Dalton Reisner. I'm excited to see the development of Noah Fant. So you look at this roster, it's like, okay, where do we go? I think it's a little bit early for corner here, even though we're about to see a run on it. I want to go defensive line because this is by far the best value, and I do think it's a need. So I'm going to give them Javon Kinlaw. I've compared him to Arik Armstead in terms of a guy that big, six foot six, 310 pounds. He could play, he's athletic enough to play defensive end in a 3-4. He could play defensive tackle. He's going to be able to get after the quarterback. He can stop the run. I mean, they drafted Draymond Jones last year. I think if you put uh, Javon Kinlaw and Draymond Jones as your bookends, you're in a pretty damn good spot on defense for that 3-4 scheme. Obviously, you got Von Miller, Bradley Chubb coming back from injury. So you're in a good spot. Yeah, I considered strong safety and corner here, but... Ken Law is just too good to pass up at this spot. Yeah, he's one of those players that, you know, kind of like Christian Wilkins last year. He's just 
you know, flying under the radar, played really, really well this year. I think he'll have a really good senior bowl, and he'll just be a top 20 pick that doesn't get this overwhelming yeah. amount of hype. He's my number 13 overall player. Yeah, and how often do we, I mean, we got to speak to him, we loved the guy, but how often do we talk about him? So it's it's really, you know, I'm glad he's going to be at the senior bowl because I think that'll start the hype train back up a little bit. 16, the Atlanta Falcons. This, to me, is just one of the easiest picks in the mock draft. They need a corner. Christian Fulton's on the board. I like Christian Fulton a lot. Uh, he's a top 20 player at a premium position. Atlanta needs to get better in this area. They just couldn't play pass defense this year. And I think they had a they had an awful start to the year, but I think this could be a bounce-back team in 2020, and I think Fulton is a day-one starter. Yeah, I think so as well. Let's take a break. We come back, pick 17-32. to 32. Last segment of the day, number 17, the Dallas Cowboys and Mike McCarthy. That's going to take some getting used to. We talked about it on the uh, Monday show. This is a team that has 26 free agents, a lot of holes to fill. One of those most likely being Byron Jones, who is gone as a free agent. I'm going to give them C.J. Henderson, a player that I've compared in terms of technique to Tredavious White. I don't know if he's going to get into a scheme that allows him to flourish like Trey has in Buffalo, but I see a lot of similarities between these two players. Yeah, listen, I'm with you all the way there. The Cowboys need a corner. We did the fixing the Cowboys segment on Monday, and I know that you know you had Grant Delpit going to them. I had Cole Kmet. Heard back from a lot of Cowboys fans, and I agree that you know, there's a lot on the table for them, whether it's safety, whether it's tight end, whether it's corner. And I think as you see a run here, as Grant Delpit's gone, Christian Fulton's gone, they jump on a corner there in Henderson. 18, the Miami Dolphins. This selection is from the Pittsburgh Steelers in the Micah Fitzpatrick trade. Henry Ruggs, come on down. This is a slam dunk right here. I think Ruggs is a top 15 kind of player that you fall to 18. The Dolphins need offense. They got Tua earlier in this draft. Tua throwing to Henry Ruggs. We've seen how that works out before. His speed, his athleticism, like I said, him and Devontae Parker, talk about skill talent for your young quarterback coming in there. Talk about skill talent for Ryan Fitzpatrick in camp and to open up the season next year. I just think Ruggs should not fall any further than this. Yeah, we talked about this dude a lot. He can absolutely fly, and it's going to open up that offense uh, and gets back with the guy who's pretty good at throwing him the football. Number 19, the Las Vegas Raiders from the Chicago Bears. We had them somehow getting Isaiah Simmons at 12. Well, another player falls right into their lap. T. Higgins from Clemson. This dude will moss you in the red zone. He is so good attacking the football. Six foot four, 215 pounds. I've compared him to A.J. Green. I don't know who's going to be throwing him the football in 2020, it's Derek Carr. Tom Brady. He should be very, very happy <laughs> about this. Might be Tommy. We'll see. But T. Higgins is a great value here and is a huge need for the Raiders. 20, Jacksonville is back up again thanks to the Jalen Ramsey trade here. And listen, they got to get a corner now because they lost one in Jalen Ramsey. Paulson Adebo, we're going to see this run on corners. We saw it. You know, Kuda's going to go in the top five, we think, top seven. Uh, Fulton goes here to 16. And then you have C.J. Henderson. So the corners start to come off the board. Jacksonville can't miss that run. Adebo went healthy this year and last year was a very, very talented player. And I think for Jacksonville, this is the beginning to, you know, getting back on track of what your, your roots are. This is a defensive team, and we know Adebo is a very, very talented, high IQ, athletic kind of cornerback. Yeah, I'm a big fan of him. I just want to see how he runs uh, because I think that's the only question. Number 21, the Philadelphia Eagles. You saw it in the playoff games, man, and it, it's so heartbreaking to see Carson Wentz not be able to be out on the field for that one, but they need wide receivers. No disrespect to Greg Ward Jr. It's a great story. They need receivers. They need playmakers. LaVisca Shane Alt, 
is a playmaker. The dude has speed for days. A great playmaker in the open field. We talk about Henry Ruggs. Shane All could be like Henry Ruggs' little brother. A very similar type players. Just find a way to get him the football, whether it's you know, jet sweeps, pop passes, screen game, middle of the field. He can stretch the field. I think Shane Alt could just be a little bit of a utility knife offensively for the Philadelphia Eagles. All right, keeping it going with wide receivers here, the Bills. We know they need one, and they need a bigger guy. They have John Brown there. They have Cole Beasley. So at 22 here, go with Justin Jefferson. Now, he's he's a skinnier wide receiver, but he's got good length. He's tall, and, and I think he plays very, very tough. I think he's maybe one of the most underrated football players in this draft class right now. And for the Bills, listen, you just need to build around Josh Allen. I know there's been a lot of highs and lows with him. I don't know if I'm even fully sold that he's the guy, but they have a great defense. They're a well-coached team. They hit on a lot of picks last year, whether it was Devin's motor Singletary, whether it was Dawson Knox, or there was Cody Ford. They've done a lot of Ed Oliver. They've done a lot of really good things there. They need to stick to their board, continue drafting, and this also fills a need. Jefferson is a great player. Well, and and like uh, what we heard from the Bills, from Brandon being the GM after the playoff loss, was we need to score more points. Justin Jefferson helps you score a lot more points. Number 23, the New England Patriots. I've said it before. I can't ever remember the Patriots' original pick being this low. Uh, It's shocking. And I think the rebuild is going to start. Whether Tom Brady is back next year or not, they have to address the tight end position. We know how important that is to them. It's such a safety valve in Josh McDaniels' offense. Cole Komet. We thought he was going back to Notre Dame to be a closer on the baseball team. He decided to enter the draft. I believe he's a first-round player. He's a little bit of a throwback. This dude can block. He's going to be excellent tracking the ball in the middle of the field. From a body comp standpoint, he reminds me a little bit of Kyle Rudolph, a little bit of Travis Kelsey. I mean, he is a grown-ass man at 6'5", 260 pounds. So this isn't some little flex tight end running out routes trying to make people miss. He will run over you. You don't want to compare anyone to Rob Gronkowski, but I think their usage could be very, very similar here. Yeah, usage definitely. You know, they're big-bodied pass catchers. They can work the seam. I think Komet was pretty reliable as a run blocker. Nobody will be like Gronk was, but at the end of the day, this is a really, really good offensive fit. And speaking of that, at 24 for the Saints, they need a wide receiver across from Michael Thomas. K.J. Hamler has the speed to be that guy. He's always open. He's got tremendous speed. He's great with the ball in his hands after the catch, and I think in this offense... We're going to find out. Is Drew Brees going to stick around? Is this going to be Teddy's offense? Is this the Taysom Hill show for good, not just spurts of it? Hamler is is a guy that he's going to light up the track. Size is going to concern some teams. I don't think the Saints will have those concerns, though. And, and we saw what they did with Brandon Cooks. I know they moved on from him quick, but Hamler is kind of a similar player, maybe with even more speed. Yeah, and so I guess you don't believe that Antonio Brown will be there next year. No, apparently he's going to be boxing Logan Paul is the, the latest workout. news. My God, it's amazing. Number 25, the Tennessee Titans. Uh, when Connor and I, before we were recorded, we were talking about this pick, and it's like, where do you go with Tennessee? They, I think they need another edge rusher, but not a small guy like a Gross Matos. Terrell Lewis, maybe from Alabama, would be a fit here, but everything I've heard, they have not worked on a long-term deal with Derrick Henry who is their offense. And if you lose Derrick Henry, you can't just turn to Deion Lewis, guys. You're going to have to replace them. It is a deep running back class, so maybe they feel comfortable waiting. But as of today, subject to change, I'm giving them J.K. Dobbins, running back from Ohio State. I've been so impressed by his vision, his burst, his power between the tackles. You know, you could talk about DeAndre Swift or Travis Etienne in this spot. I don't think they're a good fit for that offensive scheme. I think Dobbins is, which is why I have him coming off the board as the first running back here. 
Oh, man, he would be a home run in Tennessee. I'm talking like maybe top five pick in fantasy kind of home run. That's how yep. good that scheme fit is there. And, and I want to make this a conversation then, Matt. What is Derrick Henry's value? It's interesting, right? Uh, it, is, it is interesting. I mean, I think first it's like you have to, is there a market? You know, because we saw that with Le'Veon Bell. Well, okay, what is your market? You know, because what he wanted and what the NFL felt like he was worth. Derrick Henry just turned 26 years old last week, um, but he's had 800 carries already in the NFL. So I, I think that is it's a legitimate question of what type of contract do you give a guy who has been so much better than I expected, by the way. The last year it's and a half great. have just been unbelievable. But how? what type of contract do you give a guy who is a big back that takes a lot of hits and is you know 26 years old? And we've seen... You know, it used to be 30, starting to feel like it's like 28 when running backs fall off. So I think if you're the Titans, you have to think with your head and not your heart and say, what have good running backs done on second contracts? They're not living up to it. Todd Gurley fell off a cliff. I mean, it just it's it's sad to see. But so I think with Henry, maybe he's back with the Titans, but I don't think it's on some, you know, record breaking lucrative deal like a lot of people might expect. Yeah, maybe they just slap the franchise tag on him and hope he shows up. Uh, that's really the best bet for them. 26, the Minnesota Vikings. This might be viewed as a reach on corner, but I think Gladney is a top of second round player that for being a cornerback will go at the end of the first, depending what he does in Mobile, depending how he runs. I love the film, though. Xavier Rhodes cannot run anymore, and that usually means that cornerback in the NFL, you can't play anymore, or at least you can't start anymore. So Jeff Gladney, the fit to Minnesota is just what they need. Yeah, it really is. And like I told you, I have him at 35. I don't feel like this is that much of a reach because of that run that we saw on the corner position. Number 27, the Miami Dolphins. We've given them Tua. We've given them Henry Ruggs. As I've said before, you can't go into 2020 with Ryan Fitzpatrick as your leading rusher. He was this past year. you got to fix that. And I know this is not the pick Dolphins fans want. There's not a left tackle worth drafting here. So I'm going to take DeAndre Swift. You You can't reach at the offensive tackle position. I think that's one thing we've learned. Instead of going that route... I'm going to take DeAndre Swift here. Look to maybe try to get a Trent Williams. Try to address that left tackle spot a little bit later in the draft where you're not so heavy on the capital side of things. But DeAndre Swift, I've compared him to Alvin Kamara in terms of type of back that he is. Catch out of the backfield. He has very, very good speed, great agility, good vision. I think people are jaded because he was hurt at the end of the year with that shoulder injury. But DeAndre Swift... For the entire college football season, we were talking about as the number one running back in this class. Still think so this he is. is a very good value for the Dolphins. Yeah, I still think he's the best running back in a very, very good group with Dobbins, JT. I mean, the list really goes on and on. 28, the Seattle Seahawks. This is a little bit of a fall for him, but I love the landing spot. Yitor Gross-Matos from Penn State. We know what they could do with athletic pass rushers. It's going to be interesting to see you know, what happens with Jadavion Clowney going forward. And if we've learned anything about the Seahawks, Matt... They just keep stacking the deck with front seven guys year after year. They will keep swinging. They will just take hit after hit in the draft. And I think for Gross Matos, this is the place where he can go become that double-digit sack kind of player. Yeah, especially if Jadavion Clowney's not back. That is a huge need for them. Number 29, the Green Bay Packers. It feels like we've given everyone in the world a receiver right now, which affects the depth. Even guys like Justin Jefferson, who you know we've kind of thought, oh, he'll be like a you know 29 to 32 pick, is off the board. But the Packers need a receiver. And I am willing to take a chance on potential here with Gabe Davis from Central Florida. Gabe is 6'3", 215. You can watch him body people with quick slants. He's very physical. 
My only question is speed. He might be a 4-6 guy, and if that's the case, he'll probably fall down and not be a second-round pick. But I think opposite Devontae Adams, his physicality, what he can do on breaking routes would be very, very nice in this Green Bay offense. Yeah, they need a receiver. They really, really do. And we've said it over and over again. I know... You know, they were kind of hoping around the trade deadline, Packers fans, that they would do something, but, you know, they, they stood pat. And I think this is a good spot of the draft where you'll get someone that could step on the field right away, whether it's Davis, whether it's Donovan Peoples-Jones. There will be a lot of talent on the board available for them. 30, Kansas City Chiefs, one of the easiest picks I've had to make in this mock draft. Kenneth Murray is still on the board. I know some Chiefs fans, Matt, are going to look at running back here. They're going to say, nope. hey, we, we'd love to see Jonathan Taylor, Najee Harris. Sorry, guys. I don't see the GM doing that. And guess what? Kenneth Murray is a great player, would be a great linebacker for them, and they got to build this defense through the draft or continue to build this defense through the draft on some cheap contracts. I know Chiefs fans, I get asked about running back or receiver all the time. I really feel like... They need a, a three-down middle linebacker and a smart one. They need a smart linebacker. They only have two corners under contract next year, Traverius Ward and Rashad Fitton. There's no corner worth drafting here. Or like I said, Sammy Watkins could be gone. I don't know if Meikle's ready to elevate to a wide receiver two spot. So receiver could be a need. The Chiefs have plenty of needs. Interior offensive line. I don't think Brett Veach is the type of guy that would draft a running back this early. And I truly don't believe he's the type of guy that would draft a receiver this year. Miko last year was more, I think, a response to what was happening with the Tyreek Hill allegations and where they were at in terms of, you know, hey, we're trying to win a Super Bowl. We got to plug that hole. So I think with the Chiefs, it should be a defense-heavy draft this year. Number 31, the San Francisco 49ers. They have to trade out of this pick, but we don't do trades in our mock drafts. They don't have a pick in rounds two, three, four, or five. They have to trade out of this spot. Here, though, I'm going to give them Xavier McKinney. Everyone knows one of my favorite players for them. He has played free and strong safety, which I think is great for this defense. He can do it all. He has range over the top. I've seen him rush the quarterback. I think he has very, very good run defense. I like McKinney. I don't think the gap between he and Grant Delpit is really that great. So if the 49ers somehow keep this pick, McKinney would be the guy that I would want here. Yeah, if you were purely grading on film from 2019, McKinney would be rated higher than Delpit right now. I think that's pretty fair to say. 32, the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, Matthew Don is probably going to get paid a lot of money in free agency and great for him. The Ravens will have to replace another front seven player. So I go with Curtis Weaver here and, and Curtis Weaver, highly productive player. Uh, I want to, you know, kind of drop the nugget here. The big question for him is how is he going to test? You know, is he going to be an athletic kind of guy? Um, I, I think it's going to be really interesting for him because the film is great. But once again, is he athletic enough to be that premier kind of pass rusher at the next level? That's going to be the difference between him being a day two pick and an end of day one pick. Yeah, and I'll, I'll be transparent. I have Curtis Weaver. I was just trying to find him, and then uh, phone is blowing up like crazy. I have Curtis Weaver at 77 overall on my board. There you go. His production was amazing. There were times I watched him play, and it was like, I, his conditioning just looks bad. And so we've seen this in the past. I mean, think of Jaikai Polite, you know, is another guy. It's like, your film looks first round. But then you get into the testing process, and it's like, can't do it because you just, you're not athletic enough. But I think Curtis Weaver fits that mold, 6'3", 255. I have mean, actually heard he's probably like closer to 270. But he has some speed rush skill that makes you sit up in your chair when you're watching him. He's he's athletic. I just don't know how explosive he is. So I'm excited to see. You know, he's one of those guys, underclassmen. We'll see him at the combine. I think that's going to be huge for him. 
All right, that is our show. I know we promised you guys draft on draft, and then the NFL went crazy. Joe Judge gets hired. Matty Rule gets hired. We had to give you a mock draft. So that is our show. Friday is going to be a fun one. I don't want to give anything away. Friday is going to be a fun show. Make sure you're ready for it Friday morning when you wake up. We are going to have a good one. For Connor, we'll talk to you all real soon. Mm-hmm.